Let's look to the Lord, shall we? Father, we remember today the cross. We remember our Savior. I pray we would remember that every day, Lord. <clears throat> and I thank you, Father, for the body of Christ. I thank you for the invitation to come as often as we do and remember you. And Lord, I thank you for what it points to the past and the cross and the present and your ongoing faithfulness to us and the future of your return, Lord. I thank you for our other campuses this morning, and I ask God that your word would be preached faithfully there. And we think this morning of those that are, are traveling. I think of uh, Tom and Tiffany and uh, Jill and Titus and ask your watch care over them and ask that you would bring them home safely. And Father, we remember the Chapman clan as they're uh, in Ethiopia, God, and uh, the things that you're doing there. And we ask your watch care over them and their return to us safely as well. And for those others that may be on the road, God, we, we lift them to you. We lift to you the needs in our congregation, uh, those that are in our families, those that don't know you, Father, that have a desperate need to know you, Lord, uh, those that uh, are struggling with health issues, Father, uh, whether it's aging or, or other types of issues, Father, uh, job issues, we lift every one of them to you, Lord, and uh, we lift one another to you, Lord, as the body of Christ. And Father, we want to praise you this morning. We want to thank you. We thank you for the freedom to live in a country where we can still preach your word and ask God that you would protect that freedom. Uh, I pray that we as your people would stand firm in the faith, Lord, uh, that we'd speak the truth in love. And Father, that we would be a light to our nation. And I ask that you would turn our nation's heart back to you, Father. And Lord, I ask this morning for the power of your spirit in your word, and I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Unseen, unsung, and unaware. There's a lot of uh, invisible people in the world. And before your mind starts going crazy and imagining all kinds of things, uh, I'm talking about people who serve behind the scenes. Uh, we don't think about those people until something goes wrong. <laughs> and then we become irritated with them. Uh, you come home, you turn on the light switch, or you hit the garage door opener button in your car and nothing happens. And right away, we're irritated. <laughs> And we call whatever bureaucracy we need to call. Bill used to work for one of them. And, and we say, we don't have any electricity. And they say, we know, we know. You're, you're about one of a million. And, and so we struggle with that. And we wait. And then the servicemen come out, finally, after that long wait, and they make repairs. And for a little while, they're heroes but then they disappear again, and we forget about them. They're kind of like angels, in a way. You know, and then we go back to normal, 
and we forget that 99.9% .9 of the time we've, we do have electricity. <laughs> Our angels last week, for Kathy and I, we had the gas company come out and uh, we had had a leak at the end of our driveway for a long time, and it seemed to be getting stronger and stronger. And so these angels came out last week from the gas company, and uh, Kathy was commenting that one of them was smoking a cigarette while he was working on the gas line. Uh, and I know they were talking about some cold beverages after work, so I'm not sure that they were really angels, but we were really grateful for what they did for us and that they got the job done. And we were thankful for that. God's angels are a little, a little bit like these invisible people. Uh, if angels were not serving God in all of their unseen ways, I believe that we would immediately know that there was something terribly wrong in our world if there were no angels. So in this spiritual battle that we're in, angels are virtually unseen. Huh. They're certainly unsung. We don't sing the praises of angels, nor should we. We don't worship them, nor should we. And we are usually unaware of them. Now God warns about this in Hebrews 13 too, and you don't need to turn there. But there's that verse where he says to be careful lest you might entertain angels unaware. He's talking about offering hospitality. The church should offer hospitality because you just never know when a couple angels might come to your door. And you say, well, what are you talking about? Well, you have to look at Abraham, uh, Gideon, and if you remember uh, Samson's father, Manoah, all of them missed the fact that their company was angels that had come to visit them. They finally figured it out. So there's that warning. <laughs> but, you know, we in our society, and even we as Christians sometimes, we make fun of, make light of, trivialize the whole concept of angels. And it can be kind of fun. There was a show called Touched by an Angel. Do you remember that one? It was a good show, the type of show that your family could watch but it really didn't treat angels the way that God speaks about angels. And in our family, we always think of Clarence, George Bailey's <laughs> guardian angel. Uh, by the way, that was probably our, that's our fa favorite Christmas uh, show. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Uh, and, and, you know, people seem to have more of a need to see angels. People want to see angels. And uh, they, they want to understand angels. And sometimes that's more of a need than their need to know God, the God who created angels. And, and we, we glorify angels, and we're, we're not meant to do that. So I need to this morning, and this is not a topical sermon, so don't get nervous. Uh, we're going to pinpoint and focus, but I need to give us a brief definition of angels. And you can say, oh, well, Dave, I know what an angel is, but listen anyway. Angels are spiritual beings created by God. So we've got to understand that. They're created, they're spiritual. Once in a while, they'll come 
in the form of a human being, but they are spiritual beings primarily. They're created by God to serve him. Angels serve God. They do his bidding. They do the tasks that he sends them to do. And and they're created higher than man. You know, uh, Hebrews, if you read Hebrews, it'll say that uh, they're a little higher than men, but lower than Jesus Christ. So some, the good angels, they've remained obedient to God, and they carry out God's will. Others, we know, are what we call fallen angels. They disobeyed and fell from their holy position and now stand, and here's where it starts pinpointing to what we're talking about. Those angels now stand in active opposition to the work and plan of God. So there's a war going on. There is a spiritual war. (laughs) And uh, let me put it simply. This is something that... uh, It doesn't sound real profound, but I think it's really important. These angels are servants of God who inform us further about God. Well, what do you mean by that? You know, they're not necessarily talking to us. They inform us in what he does and how he does it. You see, God uses angels to do his will and his bidding all through the scriptures And that teaches us about God. So the angels, in essence, serve God and inform us about God. Turn to Hebrews 1, just for a minute. Hebrews 1 makes it very clear that we're not to worship angels. But it also makes something else very clear. And that's what I want us to see. We'll look at verses 13 and 14 just for a minute. The writer of Hebrews, talking to the Hebrew people, the the church of Hebrew people, and he says, and to which of the angels has God ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? In other words, he was making a contrast about who Christ was. (laughs) I did say to Christ, sit at my footstool, but whoever said that to an angel, then he goes on in verse 14, and this is what I want us to see. He says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? (laughs) In some versions it says to serve the elect. That's what it says, to serve the church, the elect. So that's important for us to understand that the ministering spirits, the angels, are sent out to serve us, the church, the body of Christ. And that makes them our allies in spiritual warfare. So that's important. So how do they serve us? How are they, they are, uh, how are they our allies in spiritual warfare? First of all, angels minister to God's people. None of these categories are hard and fast, and some of them overlap. So if you're saying, oh, Dave, it looks like it overlaps, it does. Uh, And and that's okay. Matthew 4.11 is describing when the Lord Jesus had been battling temptation with Satan in the wilderness. You remember that time? Do you remember that? Am Am I losing you this morning? Okay, come on, hang with me. All right. And so... uh, 
the Lord Jesus is coming out of there, feel, I think, feeling beat up by Satan. Forty days and nights in the wilderness, no food, temptation, battling. And here's what it says. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. So there's the Lord. Uh, he needed angels to minister to him. After battling with Satan, the Lord needed those angels to serve him and minister to him. You know what? So do we. We need the Lord. We're in a battle, a spiritual battle. <laughs> uh, it's an ongoing spiritual battle. We've been in it. We will be in it. We'll be in precarious situations where, where we know we're, we're warring with the enemy and, and, and sometimes his own angels and, and the other enemies of our flesh, the world, uh, flesh, and Satan. And, and when we're in that beat-up feeling, we need to be strengthened and comforted and delivered. Have you felt that way? Like, oh my goodness, I've been in a battle. I need help. So, there's three things that I see that angels do here, and, and, and uh, one of the things that they do is they deliver. And, no, I'm not talking about pizza. Who, did somebody think I was? No, or Jimmy John's. That, no, that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I thought of that when it says they deliver. I thought, ooh, <laughs> cool. But no, two angels, if you remember, two angels came to deliver Lot and his family from what was going on at Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> and they did. They delivered the family. We know that the wife, <laughs> who couldn't stand leaving the familiar surroundings of Sodom and Gomorrah, turned around and she turned into a pillar of salt and lost her life. But the two angels rescued Lot and his family. They delivered them. And there was an angel, if you know your scriptures, and you do, <laughs> a fourth man that was in the fiery furnace who delivered, who was it he delivered? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> Turn to Daniel 3.28 for a moment because I want you to see something that's important. Daniel, the first of the minor prophets, chapter 3 and verse 28. I want you to hear what Nebuchadnezzar says. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, blessed, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. You see what happens when angels deliver? God gets glorified. So I want you to keep this perspective all the way through here. When angels do things, God gets the glory because they're his servants. God is always glorified. And an angel shut the mouth of the lion for Daniel's deliverance. We're not going to turn to all these. I just want to remind you of those things in the Scripture. And you remember an angel delivered the apostles from prison at the beginning of the book of Acts. I think it's in chapter 5. All the apostles uh, had been thrown in prison and an angel delivered them. And then later, Peter, 
who was sound asleep, and an angel came over and woke him up, kind of, <laughs> and he stumbled out of prison with a, uh, an angel leading him all the way through that prison. Uh, so Peter was delivered by an angel. My question this morning, and I'm going to ask this several times, we've got a delivering God that delivers us from circumstances. And, I, and I'm thankful for that. And will God not deliver us from circumstances? And isn't it possible that God might use an angel to do that? I'm going to say yes. I think he could, and he might. Another thing they do. Angels defend. And I broaden out that word defend a little bit. Think about Jacob when he fled from Laban. Uncle Laban, the guy that made him work for his wives. <laughs> he only wanted one of them, but he got stuck with two. And when he fled from Laban and he was headed toward Esau, God sent Jacob an angel to defend him because he was scared to death of Esau and what Esau might do to him. You remember Jacob had stolen the birthright from Esau. And Esau was a powerful and a mighty man. And he had his own nation. And Jacob's headed that way. And God sends an angel to defend him. And you remember when Elijah was tired and running? He just battled all those false priests and won. And he came to a place where he was so tired and afraid and beat up and ready to die. And God sent an angel to minister to him, to defend him. He, he, he gave him a touch. It's another, it says the angel touched him, and then he fed him. Maybe angels do deliver. They delivered him some food, and he ate, and he was strengthened. And you remember how far and how long he went on that strength? Forty days, just running. God ministered to him when he needed that. God defended him. God came through, gave him the strength to go on. And when Jesus was at his lowest in the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember that time, he's off by himself over here praying. And he'd ask the disciples to pray with him. Can't you pray with me? And they were falling asleep. I don't think they understood the implication of what was going on. And they were just falling asleep. And an angel from heaven strengthened the Lord. And I keep reminding us that the Lord Jesus in his flesh, his humanity, needed the comfort and ministering of angels. And so do we. <laughs> Some of us this morning are weak. Some of us may be struggling with fear about things in our life. And I ask the question, will God not defend us? Will he not strengthen us and comfort us and encourage us? Sure he will. He does. And might he use angels to do that? He might. That's our God. Not only do they deliver and defend, but they direct. <laughs> Think about angels that directed people and led people. God's angel guided Israel out of the land of Egypt. <laughs> and you remember what happened to the Egyptians <laughs> and the angel helped with that. The, the army was drowned in the water. 
the angel guided Israel through the desert to the Holy Land. And think of this, an angel from the Lord directed Abraham's servant precisely to the wife that God had for Isaac. Isn't that amazing? You think God could direct us that way? Yeah, I think he could. I thought about, when I was looking at this, I thought about Kathy and I in 1976. Young, foolish, fearless. We drove to Guatemala in a car to help after an earthquake. New Christians, and uh, what's the big deal? You know, drive to Guatemala. So we got in our car, loaded up, we drove through Texas, down into Mexico, and Mexico was exciting and interesting, and getting stopped by the police, getting stopped at every border, and uh, it was amazing to me how God guided us through all of that. There was a time when we know we ran out of gas and God stretched our gas tank because there were hardly any gas stations in Mexico at that time. Pemex, Petroleum, Mexico, that's the only gas in Mexico at that time, and the stations were sometimes four or 500 miles apart. And God directed us and guided us all the way to Guatemala. And being a young, foolish husband, we didn't stop for food. We just stopped at night. And by the time we got to Guatemala, Kathy was not doing well. She was uh, really quite ill. I thought, oh my goodness, I've almost killed my new wife by going to Guatemala. And the Lord led us specifically, we know that to this day, to the household of the Johnson family, Wilfred and Shirley. And they were like ministering angels to us. They welcomed us in. I think they had a lasagna on the table. They asked if we were hungry, and I said, no, no, no. My wife's over there fainting. <laughs> and she said, we're hungry. And so we ate, and they nursed Kathy back to health. They became our long, lifelong friends that we look up to. They're not angels, but God directed us in a marvelous and a mighty way. And that's what God does for us. He still directs us. And if he wants to, he'll use angels. Maybe it was an angel that made our gas last past all that time. I never could understand that. That's how God works. He directs us, and I'm thankful for that. Will he not direct his children today? He will. Angels are our allies. And you know what? Angels give messages to God's people. So they're messengers. Think of Matthew 28, uh, verses 5 through 6, and you don't need to turn there unless you want to, but the women who knew that the Lord Jesus had been crucified, and isn't it interesting that it was the women that were at the cross and the men had all scattered, but the women decided that they wanted to go see the Lord's body and minister to that dead body in some way. And when they got to the tomb, the angel said to the women, a messenger angel, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. You know, we need to hear from the Lord. 
We really do. When we're in the battle, when some tragedy has happened, they couldn't understand the confusion of losing their... Who was this man? Was he the Messiah? And now he's dead. And an angel spoke to them, don't be afraid. And we need to hear from the Lord the same way. And God uses angels to deliver messages. First of all, they bring favorable news. <laughs> and favorable is putting it mildly. <laughs> they bring fantastic news, angels. Uh, what they said to the ladies, hey, he's not here. It wasn't like that. He's not here. He's risen. He's alive. What a fantastic message. That's the gospel. And think of the angels in, in the book of Luke uh, where the Lord told Zechariah, the priest, do not be afraid. Often they say that, almost every time. Do not be afraid. You will have a son. <laughs> Zechariah couldn't believe that. And his name will be John. And then the angel Gabriel came to Mary. And he says to her, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You will bear a son and call his name Jesus, and he will save his people. And an angel appeared to the shepherds. And what did he say first? Fear not. Fear not. I bring you good news. That's the gospel. Fantastic news of great joy. For unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord, Messiah the Lord, God. And hasn't God told us that when he comes back for us, he's going to announce it with angels. He'll come back with angels and a trumpet's going to sound. And the Lord is going to deliver that message to us. Not only do they bring favorable news, but they give direction to follow. This is a different kind of direction than what I was talking about before. This is specific. An angel, if you think of the book of Acts, an angel told Philip, a disciple, to go south to meet an Ethiopian and explain God's word, the book of Isaiah, to him. When I read that, I thought, all of a sudden it hit me. The Chapmans. <laughs> God directed the Chapmans to go to Ethiopia. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I wonder if an angel was involved in that. You know, our own, we've got our own fill in Ethiopia. And that's how God works. He gives direction. <laughs> and an angel came to Peter in a vision in Acts. And you remember what he said to Peter? He told him that the gospel is for the Gentiles. He told him not to show partiality. There's an amazing principle from the scripture. Don't be prejudiced against other people. Don't show partiality. Bring the gospel to everybody. And then the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles, the evidence of God's favor of the gospel coming to the Gentiles. And an angel told Paul towards the end of his life, don't be afraid. You're going to stand in front of Caesar in Rome. Oh, by the way, you're probably going to die in Rome. He didn't say that, but I think Paul knew that. He was going to stand in front of Caesar in Rome. Does God still speak to us today? Yeah, sure, he does. He does. God directed us in our life 
and, and I'll use another personal illustration. I spent some time in the military in Alabama uh, as a non-Christian, and I swore I'd never go back to that state again. I thought it was the most miserable place in the world. The Johnson family that I mentioned down in Guatemala had graduated from a Bible college in Alabama, of course. And our second pastor of Village Bible Church, Jim Harper, a man who was instrumental in our lives, uh, in, in discipling me and leading us, he went to that same Bible college in Alabama. And so Kathy and I, I think under the direction of God, maybe not as angels, but maybe, he directed us to move to Alabama and go to Bible college. And it was a marvelous experience, and it shaped our lives in many ways. And we made lifelong friends through that. And later in life, <laughs> Wheaton College was another place that I thought I would avoid scrupulously because of my experience as a young man. And yet God directed us very clearly to Wheaton College and used Wheaton College in our lives in so many ways. Our children graduated from there, and God brought ministries and, and took care of our family. God directs his people. He does. And if he chooses to, he'll use angels to do that. And you know what kind of messages? They also tell us future things. They give us directions to follow, and angels tell us future things. You see, God used angels to speak to the prophets. If you read the minor prophets, all through the minor prophets, angels are speaking to them in visions and dreams and, and, and even literally speaking to them. Think of Zechariah the prophet. All through the book of Zechariah, it's an angel speaking to Zechariah. And think of John at the last book of... We sang the Revelation song this morning, thank you, Lord, and... and John the Revelator. There's a song called John the Revelator. That's a, a kind of a country song. It's a cool song, and I love it. But John the Revelator, uh, he talks about angels and the major role that they're going to play in the future. So I thought about that. Why would God use angels in the Scriptures, the Old Testament and you know the New Testament, and then just kind of skip this whole period, and then over here start using angels again in the future when he comes back. I don't think that's what he does. I think he's using angels all the way through, and we're just unaware of it. <laughs> so God uses angels as our allies to bring messages. And you know what? We need those messages from the future. And one of those is the, the message from the future is that God wins the battle, and we're on his side. We need that encouragement. God uses angels for that. And you know what? Angels magnify the Lord. Not only are they ministers and messengers, but they magnify the Lord. <laughs> turn to Isaiah chapter 6. You know what Isaiah 6 says, but turn there with me this morning. I want you to have your Bible open there because we're going to do some interactive angel work. So Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to read the first three verses. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, 
and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, that's angels. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. (laughs) You know what? In our struggles, in the battle, don't turn away from Isaiah yet, we need to be reminded of the magnificence of the Lord. And angels do that. (laughs) I want you to read with me that third verse, just what the angels say. I want us to read that together this morning and magnify the Lord. Can you do that? Here we go. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Wow. Praise the Lord. So, three things here. They point to his majesty. Turn to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation 7, verses 11 and 12. And watch how the angels magnify the Lord. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Do you ever read these things and just praise the Lord through them? We need to do that. We need to magnify the Lord. And how does that help us? It encourages us in our, in our battle to be able to magnify the Lord. Stay in Revelation and turn back just uh, one page or two to Revelation chapter 5. They, they help us to praise the Lord, the angels do. So I want us to look at verses 11 through 14 of chapter 5. And watch how they help us praise the Lord, starting in verse 11. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voices of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice. Now I want you to join me right here, okay? On that part, start on worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Amen. Thank the Lord. And now I'll continue. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Powerful stuff magnifying the Lord. (laughs) Soldiers need to be encouraged in battle. And this is one of the ways they do. And then the last one is they lead us in psalms. 
And when I, when I see that they, they help us to praise him, they lead us in psalms. Psalms really are what? What are they? Somebody help me. Songs. They're songs. So the angels lead us in singing praises to the Lord. Job, <laughs> wow, I, I, this verse is amazing. Job 38, I think it might be verse 7. But Job speaks of when all the morning stars sang together. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful picture? Can you see the morning beginning to dawn and the stars and thinking of those stars singing praises to the Lord? And he goes on and says, all the sons of God, and he's talking about angels there, shouted for joy. The stars singing, the angels shouting for joy to the glory of God in the morning in song. What a beautiful picture. And, and then Psalm 148.2, and there's so many of these, just a couple. Uh, there's a song right here in Psalm 148.2. It says, praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his host. And think of myriads and thousands and hosts. And then in Psalm 103, verses 20 to 21, the Lord is speaking to the angels. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word. Bless the Lord, all his host, his ministers who do his will. Have you ever been with a really large congregation in some kind of a large venue where it's all Christians standing together and singing to the Lord? This has happened to me at the college uh, there was a men's group in the 80s uh, that, where men got together, and, and I forget what the name of it was, but I were promise keepers. And I remember men coming back and saying, it was astounding standing with all these men and praising the Lord. And you know what it reminds me of every time I'm in one of those situations? It even happens here with our little group sometimes. It's like, this is what heaven will be like, praising the Lord with the angels and singing to the Lord in song. We need that. We need that encouragement as soldiers in the war that we're in. And angels lead us in singing and worshiping God. Lord, we join our voices with those of many angels in worshiping you. The last point, angels are mighty in battle. Turn to 2 Chronicles 32. And I'm actually looking at verses 20 to 22. The Israelites were under attack by Assyria. Then Hezekiah the king and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, prayed because of this and cried to heaven. Notice they didn't ask for angels, but they cried to heaven. They cried to God. And the Lord sent an angel who cut off all the mighty warriors and commanders and officers in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned, the king of Assyria returned with shame of his face to his own land. And when he came into the house of his God, some of his own sons struck him down there with the sword. And so the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, 
and from the hand of all his enemies, and he provided for them on every side. Angels have often fought our battles for us, and we just didn't know it. Angels have gone before us and fought battles for us. They're mighty in battle. They fight our enemies, and we're unaware. They're our allies in battle. First thing I see here is that they protect God's people. They protect his own. In Psalm 91:11, you probably know this verse. I'm going to speak it out in the New Living Translation. It says, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Psalm 91:11. What a, what a, a great verse, uh, mothers and fathers, as we think of our, our children and and as they travel and grow up and go away and go off to college, think about that. The Lord goes with them. He protects them. Psalm 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. What a wonderful promise. And he delivers them. That's what God does. The mighty angels, he uses them to deliver them. And God has often protected his people by opening the eyes of the enemy to what's going on. What do, you, what do I mean by that? You know, I was thinking, I need to find some illustrations to talk about angels, and I, you know, I can't tell something necessarily personal about God's angels. But I read a couple of accounts, and I remember hearing about these, and maybe you'll recognize this too, but two missionaries... Can't give their name, can't tell you where they were, but these are true accounts. They were walking through a dangerous territory. These are two separate incidents. And there was a group that wanted to attack them and rob them and kill them. And the group didn't do that. And later on, both of these men ran into people that were part of that group and were told, you know, we were going to attack you, we were going to kill you, but we saw all the men that were guarding you. One of them specifically said 26 men, and so we didn't. And both missionaries said, I traveled alone. I didn't have any guards around me. <laughs> Angel guards. Sometimes God opens the eye of the enemy to protect us. That's how God works. And we, know we should not make fun of that. We need to be aware that angels protect us. And Jesus taught, these are the words of Jesus, see to it that you do not despise one of these little ones. He's talking about children. Here's what he says then, for I tell you that in heaven, their angels, the angels of those children, Always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. The angels that protect those children have total access to God, so be careful how you treat children. That's a pretty amazing warning. I have to be honest with you, though, as I thought about that, my heart just kind of cried out and said, well, God, what does that mean for all those 50 million babies that have been aborted in the United States. You know, and I, that's not necessarily part of this message, but that's where my heart went. 
What a burden, a heavy burden we as a nation carry. And we, as God's people, need to lead the nation in repentance for that. You say, well, I don't own responsibility. We still need to lead the nation in repentance for the sins of the nation. And we need to stand firm in that area. So angels protect God's people. Also says in the Bible that sometimes they punish God's own people. <laughs> if you were to look in 2 Samuel 24, and you don't need to turn there, we're winding down here, but an angel, uh, God used angels to punish David for his sin. You remember David decided he was going to number the people, and God had told him, don't number the people. Don't be counting your soldiers. Trust me, don't do that. And he went ahead and did it. And then God told him he was going to punish him, and he gave him a choice, and he chose to put himself in God's hand rather than other hands. And so God sent an angel. And it says, And when the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented and said to the angel, It's enough, now stay your hand. So God was using an angel to punish his own people. And then he talks about the generation in the wilderness that didn't trust the Lord, didn't have faith in the Lord, that wandered all those 40 years in Psalm 78. It says God, he let loose on them. God did his burning anger, his wrath, his indignation and distress and a company of destroying angels. God using his angels against his own people for punishment. You know, it's, it's not being tolerant and it's not being politically correct anymore for preachers or anybody else to say, to suggest that God is judging us as a nation or as God's people. People want to say, well, how do you know that? Well, I'm not a prophet, but I do know God's word. And so I'm going to read one, one passage. Again, this is a little bit of a side trail, but I want you to hear Romans 1. And you can tell me after the message if God is still judging people, sometimes his own people. Romans 1, 24 through 27. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men. And hear this. And receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. God still judges people. Would not God still judge his own? Why would he change? And might God use angels in his judgment? Yes, he might. 
And in this case, when an angel came, he's not going to say, do not be afraid. He's going to say, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Finally, angels display God's power. They display his power. Think of Elisha. His servant's eyes were opened to see myriads of spiritual warriors, chariots of fire. He was afraid, thought they were going to get beat because he saw so many of the enemy, and the Lord opened his eyes to see all these chariots of fire and angels. Jesus says he could have called legions and legions of angels to his defense, but he didn't. We sing, the God of angel armies is always by my side. I love that song. And think about when men were giving glory to Herod in the New Testament in the book of Acts, immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. They display God's power, and we serve that same God today. And he displays his might through his angels who are our allies. Just a summary here at the end, and listen to this summary. It's short. It's important. We don't worship angels. We don't need to ask God to send angels. He's already doing it. We don't need to see angels. We don't need to hear angels. But we do need to be aware of their presence in our world because they teach us about God. We should be thankful for angels. They are our allies in spiritual warfare. And remember, they're God's servants, and they teach us and inform us about what God is doing and how he does it in this world. Ministers, messengers, worshipers, and mighty warriors. That's the angels. And they serve God's people, you and I, the church, the elect the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that we have the angels, myriad legions, mighty angels that serve us, your church. Lord, we trust you and we thank you In Jesus' name, amen.